would turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. I'd like to begin by reading verses 9 through 13 as we look once again at the Lord's Prayer. We come uh, tonight to the last petition, the sixth petition in this prayer. We only have one or two more, one and or possibly two more uh, occasions to look at the Lord's Prayer as we look at the benediction and and uh, uh, in the in the future weeks, Lord willing. Uh, but before we begin now, let's read these verses together. Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, in this last petition that we looked at last time, the fifth petition, we saw the importance of seeking daily forgiveness of our sins. We also saw last time that there is a connection between being a forgiven person and a person who forgives others. In fact, if we are not forgiving others, it is a strong indication that we have never known God's forgiveness and His grace. Asking our God to forgive us our sins needs to be an everyday thing, a daily thing. But I would suggest to you it needs to be much more than an everyday thing. I I would hope that every time we become aware of sin, that right then we run to Christ. And if we don't have a once-a-day confession of sin, and certainly not a once-a-week or a a once-a-month confession of sin, but that it is a a constant part of our Christian experience, that we should run immediately to Christ. And aren't you thankful that no matter how much we sin and how many times we go to Christ, that 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's faithful, and we can go to Him over and over. Now, we come to the sixth petition tonight. And I would suggest that if you have a spiritually alive heart, a Christian heart, a born-again heart, a converted heart, that you have a sense that you need more than just to have your sins forgiven. Now, when I say just to have your sins forgiven, I am not depreciating or making small in any way how glorious and how precious the forgiveness of sin really is. But how many times do you ask the Lord to forgive you? And you know full well that you've asked the Lord to forgive you for this very same sin over and over and over and over again. Do you ever have anything like that? Or is it just me? I think you've probably a common Christian experience. And inside of us, there is not only this sense that we need forgiveness of sin, but there's also this awareness that we need the Lord to do more than just forgive us. And that's where this sixth petition comes in. Lead us not into temptation. This brings us face to face with the something more 
that our believing heart desires to have and longs for, and that is the desire to not sin in the first place. The desire that God will help me not to sin. The desire that we might make real progress in being holy and have victory over the sin that is in our lives. The fifth petition was all about justification. Forgive us of our sins. This sixth petition is all about sanctification. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I want to be clean. Forgive us our sins. But I want to stay clean. Lead me not into temptation. And I never will do that. I never will stay clean unless God helps me. And so I pray, deliver me from evil. When I pray this petition, I am asking for preservation and for deliverance from sin. I'm asking God to forgive me from my sins, but also to deliver me uh, from sin and to help me not to sin as I move into the future. I need to be rescued. I need God to save me from myself. I need for God to hold me back, to keep me from committing sin. And the fact that this petition comes immediately after we have asked for and received forgiveness of sins is very significant. This proves that God's forgiveness does not lead me to be careless about sin or to make excuses for sin or to think it's somehow okay that I sin because, after all, God is going to forgive me. But when this prayer ties these two things together, asking for forgiveness of sin, and then us asking and praying, deliver me from temptation, uh, it is letting me know that I should never be careless, I should never be comfortable with committing sin. I should never presume upon the grace of God, and the grace of God never leads me there. Psalm 130, verse 4 says, But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. There is forgiveness with God so that we can fear God. And what does it mean to fear God? Well, at the end of the day, it's to serve God, to love Him, to live for Him, to be about what He is about. That's what the fear of the God and uh, ultimately is. It's, it's living wisely uh, before our God is the fear of the God and is the fear of the Lord. And uh, Psalm 130 verse 4 says that God forgives us so that we might have the fear of the Lord and walk before him as we ought. That's why he forgives us. Let me make a few observations about the text itself. There are actually several difficulties and questions that arise from this verse. Verse 13 says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. First of all, let me draw your attention to the word and that begins this verse. Note that just like verse 12 started with the word, the word and, this verse does as well, and it ties us back to verses 11 and 12. And so when we think about verses 11, 12, and 13, we should think about it this way. Give us our daily bread, and give us our daily forgiveness of sin, and give us our daily protection from evil. These are daily things, and these are, it's this, and this, and this that I pray for and I need. Now, both of these phrases in our verse raise interesting questions. 
Do you see any problem of any kind with the first phrase, lead us not into temptation? Just think about it for a second. Are we thinking that if we don't pray this, and if God doesn't answer, answer this prayer, that God is going to actually lead us into temptation for sin? Do you, do you see the, on the surface how we might perceive a difficulty uh, in this first phrase, lead us not into temptation? Would you turn with me to James chapter 1? James chapter 1. Let's look at verses 13, 14, and 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And so James is very explicit here that God never leads us into temptation to do evil. Now, many have tried to answer this apparent difficulty by uh, considering that the word here in our verse, temptation, the word, the Greek word is parasmos, it can mean a more neutral thing like trial, to try something, or to test something, or to prove something, in a, in a, in a, not necessarily in an evil way, but in a more general sense. And so that word can mean that. In fact, we're here in James. Look at James uh, chapter 1, verse 2, where our word is used in this way. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet, and there's our word, trials or temptations of various kinds. And here it's, uh, it's, it's in the sense, more the general sense of when you have trials, things that test you. And I would suggest we shouldn't have all joy because we are tempted to do evil. But we do have joy coming in our life when our test... Our faith is tested and proved and tried, and it proves to be genuine. Peter talks about how it's a precious, precious thing, more precious than silver and gold, to have a faith that has actually been tried and tested and proved to be real. It is a precious, precious thing that we can have from God through those experiences of trial in our life. It's also in verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And so trials, testing, uh, is not a bad thing in our Christian life. It builds up our faith and our character and our, our strength uh, in our inner man. But God does not tempt us to sin. And James is clear that it is my own desires that do that. And then we can throw in the world, and we can throw in the devil, the flesh, the world, and the devil. Those are the things that lead us into the temptation to sin, but God does not lead me into sin. I suggest that we shouldn't understand uh, the Lord's prayer here to 
mean trial, not to lead me into trial, because, first of all, it, we've just talked about in the fifth petition the forgiveness of our sins. And we're going to immediately talk about in the last part of this verse, lead me not into evil. And so I, would, I think that we can be confident that what he means is don't lead me into the temptation to sin in this petition. What we are asking in this, in this statement is this. We are asking God to grant us preserving and protecting grace. I would suggest that these two statements are a parallel, are two parallel statements. Don't lead me into temptation, but lead me into the way of escape from temptation. That's the two parts of this verse. Don't put me in temptation, but rescue me from temptation are the two parts of this verse. And this aspect of the sixth petition is also a recognition that God is in absolute control of all events and that the trials in my life do not come without his approval and they are not outside of his providence. Gerhardus Voss said this, when we meet with temptation, we should realize two things. One, it is not God that is tempting me, but Satan or my sinful heart or both. And two, yet this temptation has been foreordained by God as part of his plan. And it is God that has permitted this temptation to come to me for his own wise purposes. Look with me at Psalm 19 and verse 13. Psalm 19 and verse 13. We suggest here that David is saying something like our petition in Matthew 6, 13. Psalm 19, 13. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgressions. I would suggest that this is the same prayer that we have here in our verse. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, the next thing that's interesting about the, this, this uh, verse in the second phrase is the word evil. The word evil is preceded by the definite article, the. So, literally, we would translate it, deliver us from the evil. If you're reading in an uh, uh, NIV or New King James, then this verse is, uh, you probably read there, deliver us from the evil one. And so translations have it translated that way because it is the evil. Let me remind you of uh, how strong this word deliver me is. Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us, rescued us, from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Or 1 Thessalonians 1.10, Jesus, who delivers us, who rescues us from the wrath to come. So this is a strong word in our verse that we want to be rescued from the evil or from the evil one. Let me remind you of a few verses like this. John 17, 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Christ in his high priestly prayer. Or 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and he will guard you 
against the evil one. And so we're praying this petition, deliver us from the evil or deliver us from the evil one. Now, I suggest that this verse, this petition we're considering tonight brings us face to face with unseen realities. It is God himself that must come and rescue me from the evil one. Look with me at Ephesians 6 for just a moment. What do I mean when I say that it brings us face to face with unseen realities? How easy is it for us to live in our modern, sophisticated, scientific world and go through our day, day by day, with a sense that all there is is just what we see. And to completely forget about that there's a whole nother world. I would suggest a, a greater and more sophisticated world that is invisible all around us. And, and Paul talks about it here in Ephesians 6, verses 10 and following. Let's read here uh, just a little bit about this unseen reality that is around us. Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. There is the evil one. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It feels like sometimes that we certainly do that. But we don't only wrestle against flesh and blood, but our real conflict, Paul says, is against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And so here Paul is describing for us this unseen world that is raging around us. And dear ones, there are unseen enemies that we neglect to our own peril. We are surrounded by temptation on every side and the enemy is laying down hidden traps for us everywhere. John Owen in volume 6 of uh, which is Temptation and Sin. We did the, the abridged version of that book on Wednesday night. Uh, some, uh, I don't know how long ago it's been, a couple of years ago now, I guess. John Owen says this about temptation. He says, temptation then, in general, is anything, state, way, or condition that upon any account whatever hath a force or efficacy to seduce, to draw the mind and heart of a man from its obedience which God requires of him into any sin, in any degree of it, whatever. In particular, that is a temptation to any man that causes or occasions him to sin, or if in anything to go off from his duty, either by bringing evil into his heart or drawing out that evil that is in his heart, or in any other way diverting him from communion with God and that constant, equal, universal obedience in matter and manner that is required of him. 
And then a little later, as he writes about this, he says this, while it knocks at the door, we are at liberty. But when any temptation comes in and parlays with the heart, in other words, it comes in the door and it gets right up to us and starts dealing with us directly, when it reasons with our mind, when it entices and allures our affections, be it for a long or a short time, or be it insensibly and imperceptibly, in other words, we don't hardly realize it, or whether uh, we do take notice of it in our soul. It is then that we have entered into temptation. And that's what we're praying that won't happen. We are praying that the temp- that temptation will stay outside the door and we can remain in liberty to do what is right, what we should do. Temptation is not something to be trifled with. We're so self-deceived, we think we can flirt with temptation, that we can go this far and then we can stop. Now let me ask you, does that ever happen? I would suggest that it never does. And is that the way of wisdom? To see how far we can go, to be careless, to not have our strong boundaries? This prayer is for the God of heaven to keep us out of it and away from it and to save us. Because if we fall into temptation and God does not protect us, we are in desperate trouble. Look with me at Luke eight thirteen. Luke eight thirteen. This is the parable of the sower, and Christ is explaining the different examples that he gave of seed that did not take root and grow. In verse 13, he says, One of those types of soil that doesn't produce fruit is this. And the ones on the rock are those when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in the time of, and there's our word, temptation, testing, they fall away. A serious matter to be tempted. It destroys faith. And in in this verse, it tells us that it leaves a person unbelieving and lost. The gospel has been taken away and they're left in the same state they were before there was any attempt to believe at all. Luke chapter 22 in verse 40 and 46, Christ speaking to his disciples. And he says something interesting here. Luke 22, verses four, verse 40 and then verse 46. They're on the Mount of Olives just before our Lord is going to be taken. And it says in verse 40, When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Now he comes back a little bit later. and They've fallen asleep. And in verse 46 he says... Why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Now, one of the things I think that is interesting about this is, do you see exactly what he's telling them to pray for? He is telling them to pray that they not enter into temptation. Now, what's going to happen to Peter in just a few minutes? He's going to be entering into, I would suppose, his most severe trial of his life. In just a few moments, 
One other verse, 1 Timothy 6, 9. And I'm just trying to point out to you how serious this matter really is. 1 Timothy 6, 9 says this, But those who desire to to be rich fall into a temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And so what what Timothy is telling us here is that temptation has this as its ultimate result. It is ruin and destruction that temptation leads us to. It is no thing to be trifled with. We should take temptation seriously, and we should never, ever play around with it. You know, the evil one is shrewd and experienced, and he knows how to lay good traps. He's been at it a whole lot longer than we have. He's been into business of laying traps a lot longer than we've been into business of avoiding traps. He knows exactly what he's doing, and that is why we need Christ. I hope you know that temptation is always a lie. It can never deliver on its promises. There's no truth in advertising with temptation. It always promises to give us happiness or fulfillment or satisfaction. It is deceitful, and it never tells us the truth. Suppose that that temptation had to tell us up front the whole truth. Temptation would say something like this. This will be fun for a few minutes. And then your life will be ruined. And you will be completely miserable. And your conscience will torture you. And you will feel so much guilt and remorse that you will just want to die. And it will separate you from God and cause you to go to hell forever. Now, would you like to do this? But temptation never tells us the truth. That would be the sober truth. Temptation never says that. Temptation always wants to separate us from our faith. Remember Peter back in Luke 22? Luke 22 verses 31 and 32 says this, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. Satan wants to separate your faith from you in the same way that the shaft, the shaft is separated from the wheat so that your faith will just blow away on the breeze. You know, when when they are sifting wheat, which is what uh, Christ says that that Satan wants to do to you, Peter. When When you do that, the wheat... You know, they throw it up in the air, and the wheat falls back down, and the shaft blows away on the breeze. Well, that little blowing away on the breeze that you see, that's your faith. And temptation leaves you with what falls, and your faith is blown away, it's gone. And that's what the object of temptation always is. Satan wants to separate you from your faith in the same way that the shaft is separated from the wheat and blows away in the wind. But in our verse here in Luke 22, Christ also says, But I have prayed for you. Christ prayed for Peter, and in the end, that is what saved him. And don't forget that when 
our heart cries out, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil, that our great high priest joins in that prayer and he intercedes for us and he prays for us. And the Holy Spirit joins in that prayer and he intercedes for us and he prays for us. Do you think Peter learned a lesson from that temptation that's going to lead him to deny the Lord Jesus Christ? Many years later, he'll write this, 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to desire, to devour. We would have a different perspective on temptation if we had been through what Peter had been through. But by the grace of God, by the Spirit, and by the Word, we can read these words. Be sober-minded, be watchful, and we can learn. And we don't have to do what Peter did to learn this hard lesson. Temptation is a great enemy to our soul. We don't have the power to resist temptation in our own strength. I hope that you don't think that you can just suck it up and be determined and overcome temptation. That's never going to happen. But don't despair because we're not alone. We don't have to do it by ourselves. We have Christ and we have the Spirit and we have the Word and we have Christ's church and we're not alone in this endeavor to resist temptation. And through prayer and through the Word of God and through the Holy Spirit in our heart and through God's people that He has surrounded us with, we can overcome temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And I suggest that is exactly what we're praying for when we pray this petition. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Romans 13, 14 says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Now, we certainly need to be tough, to be diligent, and not make provision for the, for the flesh so that we won't gratify its desires. But the more important part of that verse is the first part of that verse. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the way that we will overcome. It is by, by putting on Christ. Now, I would like to end, uh, as we have each time, by reading to you from the larger, larger catechism. This is question 195. What do we pray for in the sixth petition? Answer. In the sixth petition, which is, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, Acknowledging that the most wise, righteous, and gracious God, for divers, holy, and just ends, may so order thing, things that we may be assaulted, foiled, and for a time led captive by temptations, that Satan, the world, and the flesh are ready powerfully to draw us aside and ensnare us, and that we, even after departing of our sins, by reason of our corruption, weakness, and want, that is, lack of watchfulness, are not only subject to be tempted 
and forward to expose ourselves into temptations, but also of ourselves are unable and unwilling to resist them, to recover out of them, or to improve them, and are worthy to be left under the power of them. That's the introduction. We pray that God would so overrule the world and all in it, subdue the flesh, and restrain Satan, order all things, bestow and bless all means of grace, like the Lord's table we did today, the preaching of the word we had today, all the means of grace. Bestow and bless all the means of grace and quicken us to watchfulness in the use of them, that we and all of his people may by his providence be kept from being tempted to sin, and if and if tempted, that by his spirit we, we may be powerfully supported and enabled to stand in the hour of temptation. And when fallen, raised again and recovered out of it, and have a sanctified use and improvement thereof, that our sanctification and salvation may be perfected, that Satan be trodden under our feet, and we fully freed from sin, temptation, and all evil forever. That's what we're praying when we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And to that I say, amen.